taking the land, taking the land. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it or follow after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Don't come near it, that is the ark, that you may know by, or that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow... Everybody say tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. I love that. Father, thank you for your word today. May this be a prophetic word, a now word over this church. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts and that this is a moment of destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, better perk up and listen. You need this today. Well, I can't tell you how many times I stood on this stage and and made believe, practiced, and um, it's good to see all of these happy faces out there, and we welcome you in Jesus' name. We're so thrilled to have you. I... um, I want to talk to you about something that I believe is very, very relevant for us right now. After 40 years of wandering, Israel is about to cross over. I want you to think about this moment because their parents never got to do it. Two out of a million got to cross over. A million people died in the sand because they did not trust God and obey God. That's simple. Trust and obey And now their children are crossing over, along with Joshua and Caleb, the only two who kept a good confession, the only two who kept their faith. So this is a huge, defining moment for these people. This has been a dream for 40 long years. That's a generation. This is a huge, defining moment. And so you can imagine the butterflies in their stomach. You can imagine the sense of anticipation. You can imagine what was going through their minds. We've been out here in this wilderness for 40 years, and now we get to cross over. We're about to step onto the promised land. We're about to see what God's been talking about all this time. We're about to realize our destiny. We're about to do what our parents did not see or live to do. Now, as they begin to cross over, God gave clear instructions for divine order. God was very, very clear with divine order on how they were to do it, how they were to make this crossing. He said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests bearing it, then and only then shall you set out from your place and follow after it. 
Now you read that to a lot of us, that doesn't mean anything. We don't know what the Ark of the Covenant was and uh, that doesn't really register. Let me just tell you that the Ark of the Covenant was called such because within it, inside of it, were two tablets made of stone on which the finger of God had chiseled out the Ten Commandments, which were commandments of covenant. So the very finger of God, when Moses was on the mountain, came and burned those commandments into stone. And it was God revealing his will for the human race, how to live, how not to live, how to please him. Of course, it's another whole story, the fact that we could not do it, so that's why he sent Christ. But the Ten Commandments are still the greatest, the greatest we have in writing of any way to live life on this planet. Now he said, when you see that ark with the two tablets inside of it, representing the Ten Commandments, you follow. And that wasn't the only thing in the ark. Also within it was some manna. And manna is what they ate for 40 years. There was a, a sample of manna that represented God's provision. So you have God's word and you have God's provision. And then on top of the ark, you have the mercy seat where two angels or seraphim or angels, we'll call them today, facing each other with their wings overarching towards each other. And these angels, these angels on top of the mercy seat were a token of the presence of Christ Jesus in whom sin and pardon meet. The ark represented for these people the presence of God. He might as well have said when you see the presence of God going in front of you, follow it. The ark represented the presence of God at its presence and it was a powerful, powerful thing. At its presence, the waters of the Jordan separated at the presence of the ark. As the priests put it on their shoulders and walked towards that water, the presence of God on the ark split that Jordan River, just like the Red Sea had been divided. And they walked across on dry land. When they crossed the Red Sea, it was at the power of Moses' rod stretched out. But the Jordan, it was the power of God resting on the ark. The ark was carried around the city of Jericho, the first city they encountered when they crossed over. And God said, walk around it. And they walked around it carrying the ark. So when the walls fell and they took the city of Jericho, the ark of the covenant was with them. The Philistines got the bright idea one day that they were going to capture the ark because they had been watching and they had seen that uh, everywhere the ark went, the blessing of God went. And in their pagan thinking, they didn't understand that this ain't for you. So they captured the ark. And when they captured the ark, what had been blessing became cursing because God had given it for his people, not for those who did not know him. And so when they captured the ark, they left it all night long in their pagan temple where their chief idol was called uh, Dagon. And during the night with the ark Sitting next to Dagon, Dagon fell on his face. This idol statue fell on its face before the ark of the Lord. Soon afterward, all the Philistines 
And they came in, they saw that, and they said, how in the world did this happen? Well, the power of God knocked down the idol, and the idol was bowing down to the ark the next morning. But they still didn't get it, so they hung on to it. And it says, soon afterwards, all the Philistines began to be ravaged with the plague. They literally began to die. And after seven months of curse after curse and plague after plague, it occurred to them, we need to get rid of this thing. And so they got rid of it. They gave it back to Israel, carried on the backs of cows. They wouldn't even carry it themselves. They were terrified of this Ark of the Covenant. When the temple was completed, the ark was placed in the holy place where the Shekinah glory of God rested. This ark, where the commandments were, where the manna was, where the mercy seat was, the word, the provision, the mercy, the word, the provision, the mercy. How many of you need the word and his provision and his mercy? Now, I want to point out three things about the ark and Israel's crossing over because today we've crossed over our own Jordan. Oh, I'm going to say it again. Today we have crossed over our own Jordan. And it's a new day. But the same thing that applied to them applies to us today. I want you to hear me on this now. He said three things. When they started to cross over, there were three instructions. Here they are. When you see the ark, go after it, number one. Number two, there will be a space between you and the ark. Three, sanctify yourselves. Because tomorrow, God's going to do wonders among you. Now let me just deal with these. When you see the ark, go after it. You know, there is very little in this world worth following after. Do you know that? There's very little in this world worth giving it your heart and your soul and your might and your life. There's very little in this present world worth following after. James said, all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life are not from the Father but they're from the world. And all that is in this world is passing away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So all that is in the world, lust of eyes, lust of flesh, the boastful pride of life that looks up and says, I don't need God. I don't need anything. I am my own person. Very little in this world worth following after. They are illusory. So much out there is an illusion. It's filled with things that glitter with promise, but in the end, they do not deliver. This planet is filled with signs pointing down roads that lead to dead ends. The people of this world chase mirage after mirage, chase money, chase relationships, chase this, chase that, career, everything else. But in the end, the sands of disillusionment sift through our fingers as we realize, I'm here, I've arrived, and where is what I thought I would find? I'm telling you today, there's only one thing that really satisfies and really fulfills the soul, and that is following Jesus Christ in discipleship, following Jesus Christ every day, 
walking with Jesus Christ all of your life. That's the only thing that really satisfies. It's the only thing that gives the deepest meaning. Just recently, a man who had reached the pinnacle of his success in life said to me, I'm here, but I'm empty. That's because unless you get there with God, you will get there with no meaning. You will get there with no purpose. You will get there with no fulfillment. For every man and every woman needs God deep down inside. We need to walk with him, fellowship with him, obey him, submit to him. That's where fulfillment really comes. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have come that you might have life, Jesus said. And that you might have it more abundantly. He didn't come to be a divine killjoy. He didn't come to take all the fun out of life. He came to give us real life, lasting life, and that more abundantly. And so why not start walking with him when you're young? Why not give him your life? I'm so thankful that at 16 I got saved. At 18 I began to preach. I've been preaching 36 years, and I feel like I'm just now getting started, just getting cranked, just now beginning to really get with it. But here in our text, God tells us what we can confidently follow. The Ark of the Covenant, you can confidently follow His Word, His provision, his mercy. And when I say those three things, his word, his provision, and his mercy, to me that just added together, put into a blender, you hit liquefy, and what comes out? Jesus. The word, his mercy, and his provision. They had the ark of the old covenant. We've got the ark of the new covenant. And that's a boat you better get in because that boat floats. Jesus Christ is those things summed up. Jesus Christ is the mercy of God. He is the provision of God. And he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He is the word. He's the provider. He is our mercy. And so this is how we live as disciples of Jesus Christ. He wants, he wants us to follow him daily. Not just on Sundays, not just Wednesday nights, but every day, Lord, I'm your disciple. You saved me. I want to walk with you today. I want to take you to work with me. I want to take you home with me. I want to spend time with you every day. I'm your disciple when I'm punching that clock. I'm your disciple when I'm serving other people at my job. I'm your disciple Monday through Sunday. I'm your disciple. And when we live that way, life becomes meaningful and fulfilling. We wait for the ark of the new covenant to go ahead of us. That's the way we live. You know why we're here? Because we waited for the ark to move. And the ark began to move. And God said, it's time for you to move to another place. And he pointed this building out to us. We're not here because we had a good idea. We're here because we had a God idea. You take out one zero and you put it right here. We are here because God said, go to that building. I'm going to do wonders among you. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, everybody. Get ready for God to do something wonderful.
So this is the first part of the message. How do we live? Do you live this way? Do you wait for the ark to move? Do you wait for God to say, wait for the ark to go ahead of you? And when Jesus goes ahead of you and points to a certain direction, when he begins to show you where to go in your life, how to run your business, how to run your marriage, how to run your home, he's gone ahead of you. He's given you a word. That is when you say, that's when I go. That's when I follow. That's when I pick up my stuff and go. I'm glad to say we didn't come here alone. We came here with God having gone ahead of us. We waited for the ark to move, and now we've come where he already was. The second thing he said is there should be a space between you and the ark. That's talking about keeping up respect. For the things of God. There will be a space. I don't want you to be overly familiar with the things of God. I don't want you to be so familiar with the things of God. They lose their power and their importance and their value to you. One of the most damaging things that's happened in our culture in the United States of America, in my opinion, is the loss of respect and reverence for the things of God. Churches are regularly robbed and burglarized now. That's the house of God. Bibles are everywhere, but they gather dust on people's shelves. But this is a sacred book. We talk negatively about the things of God. We treat the things of God like they were nothing. We treat the things of God like they are styrofoam throwaway cups. God's china, his china, his word, his house. His presence are treated like paper plates instead of china. And he said, I want you to keep a respectful distance between you and that ark because I'm going to do wonders among you tomorrow. And here's the key, everybody. If you want to see the hand of God move, you got to keep up your respect for the things of God. This is not just a warehouse that has been renovated. This is now the house of of God. It's not like any other house. I take it respectfully. I'm going to treat it respectfully. It's the house of God. There shall be a space of respect, a space of humility, a space of reverence between you and the ark. Don't get behind it. Don't touch it. Uzzah touched it and died. The Philistines captured it and got plagued. You've got to keep a respectful distance behind it and remember that it is the sacred of God, the holy things of God. The Bible talks about people who still tremble at his word. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I open up this book like I don't open up any other book in in the world. I open up this book like I'm opening up a special, sacred, holy book because this is the word of God. Even when I write, I will not initial the Holy Spirit, or Jesus Christ. I won't write down in my own notes, J.C. If I start to, I feel, now you say, well, that's kind of strange. But no, there's something sacred about that name. I'll take the time and trouble to write it out because that's the name of Jesus. It's sacred to me. We've got to get back to respecting what is sacred. We've got to get back to respecting what is holy. One of God's instructions to Old Testament priests was, They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. 
One of my callings is to teach you, to share with you and encourage you, to differentiate between the things of God and the things of this world. When God's presence is moving, we ought to treat it like the holy presence of God. When we walk into this building, we ought to be talking the Word of God. When we pick up this Bible, we ought to hold it to our hearts. When we are witnessing Jesus Christ, we need to treat that name with respect. May it never leave our lips in any way like a curse or with great familiarity. We ought to say it like it's a special name because there is not a name given among men whereby we must be saved. And there's not a greater name in heaven or earth or under the earth. Come on, everybody. This is real now. He said, you got to keep up your respect. If you're going to go into the promised land and you want me to go with you and you want me to defeat your enemies and you want to understand the things of God and you want to have a walk with me, you're going to have to respect. Keep up your respect for the holy things of God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Because, you know, there are things that are holy and there are things that are not holy at all. There are things that are clean and things that are not clean at all. And God told Simon Peter, don't you call common what I have cleansed. I want you to treat what I have cleansed and what is holy and what is sacred like that's what they are. There is a difference. And we're supposed to know the difference. So can you say, precious is the name of Jesus. Isn't it a precious name? Can you grab your Bibles and just kind of hold it up and just say, precious is this book. And I'm going to tell you something, Christian friend. Don't be ashamed of this book and don't be ashamed of that name. We're in a battle for our very survival in the West, in the United States of America, and in Europe and abroad. We are in a battle to keep what we consider sacred and holy and what we value. And if we don't stand up and speak up and take a stand and say, you know what, I consider this book sacred. I consider the name of Jesus holy and sacred. And don't you talk about my Lord that way. I'll witness to you till you run from me if you keep talking about him that way. I'll give you heaven if you give me hell. Everybody say, Jesus. There's something about that name. That's why it drives me nuts when they say, don't you call, don't you say Merry Christmas, you say Happy Holidays. I say, you tell me Happy Holidays, your catalog goes in the trash. This is Christmas. And you know what? If you're going to make money off the name Christmas, then say the name Christmas. Don't use it and then throw it away. Now, that's my pet peeve. Bear with me while I vent a little bit because here we come up on that season again. And Christian Fred, listen, we better start witnessing and let our light shine. And it begins when you consider something sacred. When you hold something with high value. Now, the third thing he said to them, after keep up your respect for the holy things of God, keep a distance, a respectful distance. He says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctification is another word we listen to. I don't know what that means. Sanctification simply means to be kept clean and kept separated for a special use. How many of you in here have China? You got China at home. 
Come on, let me see your hand. Don't be ashamed if you don't have China, but if you got China, let me see your hands. All right. You know, I'll tell you when you take that China out, you pull that China out when somebody special is coming over. So, oh, we're not going to put out the paper plates. We're not going to put out the plates we got wherever that, you know, those cheap, those cheap plates. These are special people, so we're pulling out the China. And we're going to set the table with the China. China plates, China silverware, China glasses, China pitcher, China everything. Because this is special. And until that special person comes over, you've got your China set aside in a China cabinet. Lest it be used for something common. You're not going to let the kids with their hot dogs and mustard and tater chips sit down on a Saturday morning with your china. If they got into that china cabinet and grabbed your china for a Saturday morning watching TV with hot dogs and potato chips, they're in for a whooping. Say, don't you say that? Why, mommy? Why, daddy? Why can't I use this? Because that's for a special occasion. That's for special people. So we leave it in the china cabinet. You know what this is right here? This church? It's a china cabinet. It's a china cabinet. And you know what you are? Say it, china. Because you have been set aside for a special purpose. You have been set aside for the master's use. You are not set aside for the common. You are set aside as servants of the Most High God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a set-apart nation, a set-apart people that you might show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So every week, all week long, God has you in the china cabinet. And here comes somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and he says, now it's time to take you out. There you are. You're clean. See, the worst thing you can do if you put china on the table, you got your good china on the table, and they pick up that glass to drink out of it, and there's dirt speckles all over it. It's worse if you've got dirt on china than if you've got dirt on the common utensils. It stands out more. And so God says, you are a special people, a called-out people, And I have you set aside for a special purpose so that I can pull you out of the china cabinet and say, here's one of my servants, and they're about to dispense to you the words of life. They are about to minister to you about holy things. They are going to be a connection between me and you. They are going to mediate and witness and pray until you meet me. They are special. Pastor Jeff, I don't feel very special. You're special. And God wants to take you out of the china cabinet all the time. But you got to be clean, spotless, white as snow. Now, he says, you're crossing over. Here's what you do. You're taking the land. We're taking the land. Here's what you do. You keep a distance of respect between you and the things of God. I want you to keep the things of God sacred and holy and special and highly valued. I want you to sanctify yourself. Be sanctified. 
set apart for the master's use. I want some of you to get ready to be used by the Lord for his purposes like you never had before in your life. We need you. And when you see the ark moving, you follow after it. Why are we here? We're following the word. We're following the mercy. We're following him, the covenant God. And if we'll do these things, we'll see wonders tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I like wonders. What's a wonder? It's something you see and you wonder. So I'm going to ask us to stand together today, can we? How many of you know that God has sanctified you? You're in his china cabinet. How many of you know that he wants to take you out so that he can present himself in you to someone else? Do you know that? And how many of you thank God that we can follow him today, the word and the mercy and the covenant God? Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that we have come here for such a time as this. I sense the Holy Spirit here. I thank you, Lord, that you have called this people for inreach, outreach, and upreach. And that this is your time. Thank you for the thousands that are going to be saved families that will be delivered. Thank you, Lord, for thousands that are going to be built up in Christ and come into maturity in this house. Thank you, Lord God. I'm going to ask with every head bowed, I believe that God wants us to make um, identifying with this church available today. Some of you have been praying about, you know, how do I become a part of this church? And you've asked us how to become a member. And I wanted to wait till we were here. But, you know, God is bringing together a people. And I want to ask you today, if you feel like God has just said, this is your church home. This is it. I want you to slip out from where you are. And I want you to come down here and I want to pray for you. If you want to be in this China cabinet, <laughs> just come on down. And we want to receive you today to be a part of this fellowship. In Jesus' name. Come on now. From everywhere. Come on, from everywhere. We want to receive you today. We want to receive you today. If you want to identify with this church, come on. We want to receive you. Keep on coming. We want you. We'll wait. Let's sing, Steve, as they come. Come on. Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. There's just something.